So welcome to Decapod, where we look at pop culture across the decades, and we are currently covering the 1990s, and today we are diving into, not literally, Julia Roberts in the 1990s. As always, it is not just me, you'll be delighted to know that as well as the, the trusty sidekick of the show, we are joined by the ever-mighty host of the show, Emma Morgan. Hello. Hi. Yeah, Okay. I'm I'm tremendous. All the better for seeing your smiley face. Ah, oh, <laughs> what, what do you want? <laughs> I don't know. Just, uh, just we've said it all three times now on the Zoom call, <laughs> so I'm trying to find different ways to say every time. <laughs> we do the hello when we when we first speak. We do the hello when we do a special bonus intro for the Patreon listeners, and then we do the hello for the normal show. This is very confusing. Yeah. How's your week been? It's been fine. Do I have to do the bit again? <laughs> no, no. But just for anyone that listens or release a video, Emma is on the floor. Um, there is no context to that. Uh, she just sat on the floor, sat where her couch used to be. Because <laughs> someone thinks that doors can grow in size or door frames can just expand. No, I thought that couches could all, all couches could fit through all door frames. And I tell you what, I never knew that one option of buying a couch is that they'll take your windows out. <laughs> I thought that all, all couches <laughs> could fit through all the offerings. Yeah. With a with a pivot. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to Decabod, but you're not getting any better than that today. <laughs> But no, today we are diving into Julia Roberts, not literally. Um, <laughs> is this the first solo female we've done? Because I feel like that would have made Jack joke before. I think it is, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. And, and either way, um, give me your thoughts on Julia Roberts within the 90s. Well, I've I've had a glorious time. Um, I was a massive fan of her anyway, so I was quite excited to sort of um, to put her name in the hat for somebody to cover in terms of having because she like literally comes to prominence in the very start of the nineties and then just her sort of stature just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, so and I I think she's a really good actress and there was a few films, few new films that I watched and I was pleasantly surprised by all of them. I haven't watched one bad film with Julia Roberts in it, so I'm feeling good. Um, I think it's safe to say I'm the opposite to that. I'd, I'd watched very few Julia Roberts films. I think the only ones I'd seen previously uh, before watching this were Pretty Woman, Hook and Notting Hill. What I've come to realise is that Julia Roberts is a phenomenal actor or actress. I don't know which is the correct term. If anyone wants to get in touch with me and tell me whether it's actor or actress, please do, because I don't know. But I think she's phenomenal and surprisingly has quite a, a wide range of roles. I'd always kind of just pinned her into largely that kind of rom-com sort of role, or not even com, just the rom. But I think she's, the the more films I've seen, the more I see how much of a brilliant actor she is, uh, sort of physical actor and um, just whatever the opposite to physical actor is. But there's some fucking tripe. Some of these films I just did not enjoy. In fact, there is a film that has, has gone into my... Um, list of all-time worst films. Wow! And I genuinely had to stop watching. 
Uh, I had films planned to watch on, uh, as we record this on the Sunday, I had films planned to watch on Thursday evening, Friday two I had planned to watch on Friday, and one on Saturday. And I had to stop. I haven't watched any of those films I had planned to watch because I was just sick of watching just nonsense and crap. I was fed up. I can't wait to, I'm going to be so so intrigued if that film is on my, is one of the ones that I watched. Well, I've got nine, nine films I've watched. There's a couple that I haven't re-watched, one of which being Hook. We've spoke about Hook a lot. I should have re-watched that because I really like that film. That put me in a good mood to watch <laughs> one or two of the others. But yeah, there's a couple that I haven't re-watched, but I think most of these, like I say, we're all watching for the first time. I think six or seven of them I'm watching for the first time. And there was only one or two that I vaguely enjoyed. And yeah, no, wasn't impressed particularly wow okay well i think we need to sort of jump straight into this so we do you want to jump into the worst worst film yeah yeah let's find out what you think the worst i think possibly film not just julia roberts film is it's not the worst film um i think that the worst film ever made is potentially potentially that keanu reeves one that i've tried to erase from my brain um that made my brain melt that was just... <laughs> yeah that had like the awful story arc yeah um there was another one that i've called the grudge and it wasn't the the original grudge it was like a remake and it's a horror and that was just like oh violently atrocious just dull and mundane this one isn't quite to that level it's not quite as bad as them but no didn't enjoy oh, everyone says i love you Oh, I didn't. Wa- I did not watch this. Don't, don't. <laughs> I mean, having said that, you, 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 we're aware that we've discussed this before. Like quite often, I'll have a really strong opinion about a film, and the rest of the world has a polar opposite. <laughs> so I did look, and it does appear that the rest of the world has a polar opposite. So it may <laughs> be one of those films, but it's just really, really, really rubbish. It's it's a musical to start off with. Oh, tick. No, because it's not a good musical. Oh. There's a lot of people in there that don't sing very well for a start. I'm including Ed Norton in that. We wouldn't expect to see in a musical. And now I've forgotten his name. Woody. Woody. Harrelson? No. Uh, the, Allen? The, Woody Allen, yes. He's in it. Or he directed the film and he stars in the film. And there's just so much wrong with it in the sense of nothing happens. Nothing happens. It's like the film um, La La Land. I, I really liked that. I know a lot of people didn't, and a lot of had mixed reviews that one, but I liked it because you could buy into the film. You got connected to the emotion of it. Uh, the, the character that Ryan Gosling played, I felt for that character. It was a bit of a dick, but you could see he was never, not, not Ross from Friends level dick. He's just a dick. And it just fell apart for him. And then at the end, if I remember right, there's like the last shot where he sees her being happy and then he's happy. And But you can buy into the emotion. To me, that's what a good musical does. It tells you the story through the emotion of the music. You don't even have to listen to the words. You can tell just by, you could listen to the soundtrack with no words. And you. Get, but this, no, it's dull. It's mundane. There is no story. The story is these two get together. These two don't. That's the story. And there's some really disturbing stuff in it. Maybe I'm wrong to say this one, but Julia Roberts and Woody Allen get together. And it's like, at the time, I think I got a mash right. She's about 30, he's about 65. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. 
She'd be old for him. <laughs> well, yeah. But there's nothing wrong with that legally, even morally. But I, it's one of those things where you look at, and maybe I'm 100% wrong with this, but if you, when I watch that, I think, if I was directing a film at 65, I'd probably make Julia Roberts, you know, fall in love with me for the film as well. But not, but don't do it. Don't do that actual thing. The, the the Drew Barrymore. I can't remember the character's names. Drew Barrymore initially is with Ed Norton, and there's this just really horrible scene where he's proposing to her. So he puts the ring in a cake, and she accidentally eats it. But it's just played out really, really badly. There's no. It's not funny. It's not played out so it's funny, and I don't mean. You know how I am with comedy. I don't mean that. It's just there's nothing humorous. There's nothing charming about it. Then they go get an X-ray and they find the ring inside her, and they're, they're talking about the carrots and it's trying to be funny and charming, and it's just not. There's nothing funny or charming about the entire thing. It is dull, mundane. I'm trying not to bang the table so we don't hear the microphone <laughs> rumbling, but it's just dull, mundane, boring dross. I get the feeling. You're probably just not a Woody Allen fan. I don't even know. I can't think of any. I don't think I am. I can't think of any of his films that I've sat and enjoyed. But it's just, no, it's dull and dross. The, I say the, the, the Drew Barrymore character and, and Ed Norton, and, and then she leaves him for someone else who was a bit of a, a bad boy and then comes back to him. But there's no drama in there. There's no will she, won't he? There's no, I'm off to save my woman. There's no, or, you know, I'm. there's, there's, there's nothing. It's just, it's just crap with a bit of singing. <laughs> That's all it is. I was genuinely excited by the fact I haven't seen many musicals and I like a lot of the musicals I see. I started watching Hamilton the other day. And I'm like, oh, this is good. I'm going to wait until my wake to watch it rather than when I fall asleep. And I've saved it. This, no, it made me angry watching it. Oh wow! Okay, well I shan't watch it because I can't. I despise Woody Allen, so um, that's enough for me to go. No, he's slobbering all over Julia Roberts, and it's no. I mean the cast in it. Wow! Let's say Drew Barrymore, Ed Norton, Julia Roberts, Goldie Hawn, you know, and and others. That's a phenomenal cast, but it's shite. And the, what I will say is that. I genuinely think all the characters kind of do their bit well. I don't think I'm, any of the actors are at fault. I think it's just, oh, I find it actually a bit offensive. Um, not just the Woody Allen, Julie Roberts thing. And again, there's nothing wrong with age gaps or anything like that. I'm not saying that. I think it's the way it's portrayed. And I think it's mightily convenient that the director gets to cop off with Julia Roberts when it's, you know, 35 years uh, Thirty-five years her senior gets to cop up with her. That just strikes me massively. Of um, I've got all the power. Here. Say again. Definitely not old. He might not. He looked it. He looked older. <laughs> um, but it's it's like I don't know. It strikes me if I've got all this power. Hmm. Which of these pretty girls can I make go out with me in this film? That's what it struck me of. Uh, which I again I just found offensive, and I think. It wasn't even this film that I stopped watching that. There was another one after this. So, yeah, everyone says I love you. Uh, um, and no, no. Okay. Um, do you want to talk about one that you maybe liked? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, you throw one out. Let's see if you can pick one of yours and we'll, I'll tell you whether I've seen it or not. 
Well, I went back and rewatched one that I generally don't like, and I still came away, wouldn't say I'm a massive fan of it, but not because of her, um, because of the guy that she plays against. So let's go 1990 Pretty Woman. No, right? I rewatched oh. this film. I liked Pretty Woman. I liked Pretty Woman. We did the 1990 episode. I liked Pretty Woman because I thought it was a great film. I thought it was, I put it, I think I even put it in my top 10 rom-coms. I can't remember. Somewhere I've championed this film. Now, uh-huh. watched it again. Don't like it. I agree with everything you've said about it previously. All the negative stuff in that it's just fucking sexist and misogynistic and Richard Gere's a dick in it. And the, the, the one saving grace from the film, again, is that Julie Roberts is brilliant. She plays yeah. that character and it's different to the sort of stereotypical character that I associated with her playing, which I was clearly wrong. But she plays that character brilliantly and it's phenomenal. Uh, there's some... Good scenes in there, obviously. You know, you've got the, the famous one where she gets kicked out of the shop and then she comes back and spends all the money. But no, didn't enjoy it when I watched it again at all. It was oh. it annoyed me, the fact that um, I have to come on this podcast and say you were right. <laughs> From the, the first episode of the 90s that we did, we're going back that far, which I think is 27 <laughs> episodes ago. I've now got to say, yeah, you were right. I just think, because I completely agree, I think she's amazing in it. Um, She's ridiculously likeable. Like, that character and the way she plays it, she's ridiculously likeable. And I love, like, how the hotel staff kind of fall in love with her a little bit and stuff like that. Um, But he... He's really like, he's not a good choice other than that he's got lots of money. He's not a good choice. He's actually really controlling. So, like, I wrote down, like, when they're out and about, he, he constantly says to her, don't fidget. And I think he kind of goes, oh, you look kind of, you look kind of um, beautiful when you're not fidgeting. And I thought, you're a narcissist. You're a narcissist. He's a narcissist. Run away from him. He's clearly got, he's got like massive issues. And I just, I don't think he's likable as a person at all. And for me, he's just a walking red flag. Uh, and he says like, I hate how quickly she forgives him. He says something really abhorrent to her towards the end of the film. And uh, she even calls him out on it. And then she forgives him of it really, really easily. And it's still just got this weird dynamic of he's the one with complete control. And even though I did write down that, because I don't like the fact that it sells this idea that a man can just swoop in and sort of, Basically, it comes swooping in and sort of make all your dreams come true. I do get that the film is trying to say, but she saves his soul a little bit because she kind of makes him have a bit of a way, but it's not enough. So, oh, okay. Uh, well, we didn't have to do battle on it, so that's good. No, and I, I think I agree with you. I think that the way I remembered it, I have no, no problem at all with um, stories of the man coming to the rescue. I have no problem with that. The issue for me is that there's not enough stories of way around. That's always yeah. the story. So I don't have that problem with this story, but it's like you said, this film, it on first look, it's a chick flick. I hear that phrase, but at first look, it's a chick flick. It's not. It's written for men. Mm-hmm. This is a thing. It's like you you can have this power as a man. If you get rich, you can go and find this, this um, sex worker and just make a cave into you and just make her be at your beck and call. And because you're rich, she'll never leave you. 
She'll never leave you. You can be in control. And it's like, it's not a great message to spread. And again, maybe the film would work better if there weren't so many along that theme. I don't know. But now, uh, at the time, uh, when I watched it, so 1990, I probably didn't watch it at that time, but, you know, early teens. As an early teenage boy, that's probably the thing that you like to hear. You know, the fact that someone's telling you, you know, if you get rich, you're going to have all this power. You'll get to get a woman that looks like Julia Roberts and has thighs like that. And then you can go and be in control of her. You can be the king. And yeah. it's, and uh, that, a teenage boy will be lulled into that. And it's watching it now as a 39-year-old man that I'm like, no, the whole thing's stupid. What I will say, and I'm going to throw this in, and this is a slightly sexy comment, but we talk about enough about how attractive men are. Julia Roberts is a, probably the most attractive person in Hollywood since Marilyn Monroe. Uh, yeah. Weirdly, I don't know. This is almost contradictory, but I don't find her attractive. I don't look at Julia Roberts and go, I fancy her. But I can take a step back and go, she is beautiful. She is an amazing human being to look at. Well, so when she's on that piano... I mean, there are times, <laughs> generally. You know, if I was making a list of the 10, if I was making an, an Emma-style list of my own top 10 meat market, Julia Robbins wouldn't be on it. But if I if I think if I was talking about the 10 most beautiful women of all time, Julia Roberts would probably be on that. And it's just, it's, it's bonkers. But yeah, very weird. So yeah, Pretty Woman. No, don't like it. It's, it's on my list. It's beneath... Uh, Notting Hill, as is everyone says, I love you. So, Notting Hill as is gradually bumping up my list of films because there's so many other shite ones. If I get you to watch enough shite films, eventually, <laughs> well, I'm Notting Hill in my top five. It'll be like, mid time I come to watch Notting Hill again, this was a brilliant film in comparison to the others. Yeah, I just to warn you, I haven't watched Notting Hill again for this. It was on my list to watch again. I'm like, no, if I'm hating these other films this much, I'm not going to not go there again. Ah, okay. All right. Well, um, over to you. Conspiracy theory. Yes. I got as far as I watched the trailer, saw it got Mel Gibson in it and was like, no, thank you. <laughs> I decided to watch this specifically because of that, because we spoke before about Art vs. Artist. And one of the things I said was, if I've already used films as an example, if I've already watched a film with this problematic person in, then I don't feel a problem with that because I've already watched it. I'm not going back and watching it for the first time. Whereas if I watch it for the first time, I think I'll I think it'll bother me. So I specifically tested that mm-hmm. favor of this. And it turns out, yes, it does bother <laughs> me. Because every time I see Mel Gibson playing it up on acting the fool, I'm thinking, yeah, you racist bastard, get off my mm-hmm. screen. Um, so that did actually have an impact on the film. But I also think the film was tripe. Oh, well, it was okay. nonsense. Yeah, again, it had some good reviews, but it wasn't like blowing the charts up. Uh, it had some good reviews. But no, I don't think Mel Gibson was particularly good in it. I think he overacted. It was, it was like a slightly toned down Jim Carrey, but nowhere near as good. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, I, I didn't enjoy it. And it was more of his film than, than Julia Roberts. But it's it's it had that thing in it where, all right, yeah, he's, he's 
whatever spoilers for film don't watch it it's shit right but he's been like mentally hijacked by the fucking FBI or something and so yes there's a reason why he does some of the stuff he does but he's basically built a stalking shrine for her um, and it's like he's, he starts off he's parked outside her house and he's watching her on a running machine through binoculars and then when they're running through his flat because the house is being bombed as as you do um, he's somehow got a secret passageway into the flat below <laughs> I'm like, where's this secret passageway come from? Why does someone live in that flat? But in this secret passageway, he's got a shrine to, I can't remember the characters, but he's got a shrine to Julie Roberts. And she stops, she's like, this is a bit disturbing. And he goes, no, it isn't. She goes, okay then. Like, no, you're right, it is disturbing. He's stalking you. He's camping outside your house, watching your jog. Like, don't, <laughs> no, don't just brush it over. You talk about red flags. Mel Gibson is stalking you. Don't get more of a red flag than that. That's the guest of film clip. Yeah. I mean, no, it, just no, it wasn't a good fit. If, as far as can, it's like as soon as it starts, you know where it's going. And all right, it doesn't completely go that way. So maybe I'll slightly off comment, but it's like, you know, that it's going to turn out that, oh, one of those conspiracy theories that he's panicking about is going to be right. And yeah, it is. <laughs> Fucking great. What a twist that was. It turns out. Because well, I'll tell you what, it'd be a pretty crap film if it wasn't. If it's got to end and they went, oh, no, it, it, it wasn't all real. No, just nonsense. And then right at end, she's riding a horse and finds a badge. And it's like, no, it's not romantic. It's not nice. It's not like, ooh. It's like he's still stalking you. He's literally st- he's snuck into your stables and put a badge on your horse. Right? It could have been doing anything <laughs> while you're asleep. It starts off the film by stalking you. Again, caveat is got his brain hijacked by the FBI, right? So, uh, but even that, that's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. You can't just, whatever, yeah? But then at the end of the film, when his brain's been unhacked, he's still stalking her. And she's like, oh, it's nice that he's keeping, a- no, he's not keeping an eye on you. He's stalking you. Bothers me. He is keeping an eye on her. He's keeping both eyes on her. <laughs> Three eyes on her, in fact. What's his third eye? Well, if you need me to explain <laughs> that to you, right? So, but that's my problem. It's just like, stop portraying the bloody, the, not just women, but the, the, the victim or, or whatever the term is, the damsel in distress, as a damsel in distress, it's stupid. It don't have to be stupid. Just, oh, and I appreciate this was what, um, hold on, what year was it? 93? No, that was later than that. 97, this film was. So we're getting well into towards 2000s here for equality. I can't believe I'm getting annoyed about this, but it just, it annoys me. I, just, Julia Roberts was really good. Different characters to the other three. So we mentioned she was very much just sort of the rom com type of character in the, the Everyone Says I Love You. Uh, in, in Pretty Woman, she's she is a little bit more kick-ass in that, yeah. a little bit more feisty. In this, she's more sort of the professional role, and and she displays that. There's, you know, there's no cleavage shots. That you know, there's none of that. It's it's not that type of film. It's it's a bit more actiony. So again, it's another character that Julie Roberts plays really well. But now, the film was rubbish. The film was nonsense, and it's got. A, you know racist whatever in it yeah okay um 
Did you watch Sleeping with the Enemy? Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah. Oh, there we go. There we go. Should we chat about that then? Yeah. Do you want me to go first? Yeah. I need a moment. <laughs> uh, right. So this was a brand new one for me um, to watch. Well, I'd never seen this before. And I had heard that it was that it was good. And um, I think I'm going to wish you trigger trigger warning now and also spoiler alerts because one it has got troubling subject matter and two it is impossible to talk about this film beyond the first 10 minutes without spoiling it so spoiler alert saying it now okay so those two things aside so basically premise premise of the film is she's in um when I read the description for it, it said on the surface, their marriage looks perfect, but the my husband's actually very controlling and somebody who she needs to get away from. And my only issue with that is I don't think on the surface, their marriage did look perfect. I thought from the second he stepped out on the beach, I was like, he, he gave me the creeps instantly. And maybe that is just good on the actor um i don't know but um yeah so you see really quickly like he's the two sides to his personality but again i don't think he was particularly nice when he was in nice mode uh, he tells her what dress to wear and stuff like that and it's all a bit and um and yeah and they really i really thought for the this was about 91 i think and i really thought considering don't know maybe maybe 91 isn't ridiculously early but basically it gives her a right smack and it really made me I almost turned the film off because it was that brutal the way he did it um it and that that almost got me a little bit triggered because I was like fucking hell um and it's that's quite uncomfortable for that part but then you know as things develop I think where she she is very clever. She isn't a victim. She's very, very clever. And I really liked her kind of route out of that. I'm going to pause there to sort of see how you felt about those early parts of the film. For me, um, this film is, if we look at Pretty Woman and just take that film and you imagine that they stay together, Fast forward 10 years. <laughs> that's what he becomes. That's sleeping with the enemy. Yeah. That's what that is. This is this sequel. is pretty woman too. Yeah. Dirty bastard. That's what this is called. Um, I think I agree with pretty much everything you've said there. I think that the the idea of him, you know, twigging uh, twigging straight away that is is a is a bad one is also partly because we kind of know that. We know what the you can guess from the title of the film. You're making a guess, so as much as they try and portray it a little bit as, you know, I say from the outside, it's good. It's like, it wouldn't be a great film if it were if it were that way. So, you know, Summit's awry. And then I do think that the actors play it well as well. As well. That, that scene that you mentioned, weirdly, the most disturbing scene for me, and I might have got this, I might have misremembering this slightly, it's the one where they're eating. And she says something about, I've never... I've never oh, missed a meal. I wrote this down. Yeah, and he goes, you've missed one or something like that. And but, go on, yeah, sorry. Yeah, can you remember why she missed it? No. 
Right, because yeah, he goes, yeah, I remember it was two days late once, and she goes, I went to my mother's funeral. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but for me, it was that, it was that you've never missed a meal, and he goes, yeah, you missed one. That, to me, is really sinister. But I think that the, the thing you were talking about, where it, where it hits her, um, that, that, to me, there is the difference between... Uh, not the exact difference. There's a bit a bit ambiguity there, but the difference between a thriller and a horror. Uh-huh. That's a horror film. It goes batshit on her. Yeah, but it's not, and it's more disturbing because of that. Yeah, that that to me is complete power. Yeah, it's 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 not it's not even I don't know it's dominance. It's this is all I need to do. You know, I can go through if I want to. I don't want to, or I don't need to, or whatever. I find that more uncomfortable than a lot of the horror films I watch. Yeah. Because the horror stuff is, is, is a lot of time is fun because that shit doesn't happen or mm. rarely, but this is like, no, that uncomfortable, but in a good way in the, the films well-made way. Um, yeah. So I, I found those, the second half of the film I didn't like as much. Uh, I didn't dislike it. It was that first layout. I thought it was absolutely done brilliantly. Uncomfortable viewing, and definitely not for everyone, but I thought that she uh, she showed, and this was, again, Julie Roberts with a phenomenal performance. She showed that fear without it being obvious. Yeah. Those little twitchy moments and, and the the worry, and I thought it was it was brilliant, and the, the, like you said, the cleverness. Well, she was. It, it was clever that the and again, we try not to get too much into spoiler territory, but the she makes an escape, and I thought the waste it was really clever because, like, I was like the bit where it's basically she smashes the two lights. I was like, go oh, right, calm down, Julie. You're just pissed <laughs> off. I don't, you know, just thought, I, and I genuinely did not think anything of that at all even after he thinks she's gone missing i still didn't twig but part of me was thinking like well where is she because this can't be she can't only be in half the film oh then i was like is she gonna haunt him and i just couldn't so that but that's how well it was done because normally stuff like that it's a massive like dun 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 but it didn't twig for me at all yeah so I mean, like I say, we'll be careful not to spoil the ending. But I think when it transitions to the second half of the film, you can she still plays it really well. You know, there's still that fear there. She's still reluctant to talk to people. She's still very, very cautious. And there's was it the scene with the towels? Yeah. Um, and that was interesting. Um, so again, I won't go too much into that. But and then I, I, I think it became a bit more almost less sinister, more actiony a little bit in the second half of the film. So I didn't dislike it at all. I still enjoyed it. But that I think it was because the first half is done that well. Mm. That the second half doesn't quite live up to that, but still good. I don't yeah, I there was a there's a bit where she's got rid of something and I went, oh he's gonna find that. That's not gone forever. He's gonna he's definitely gonna find that. Yeah. Uh, it's really and I actually I made a note about this one there was a bit that made me absolutely belly laugh but I'm not going to say it because um, it will spoil the film um, but I think that out of all the films I've watched that is the one I'd love to see remade 
with our kind of modern, we've got so much awareness now of narcissists and things like that. And with, there's been quite a lot of stuff done about that kind of subject area now. I would love to see that redone. I thought she was let down a little bit by her supporting cast um, in the film. Um, so I thought the guy that plays her husband did quite a good job because he, he, um, Again, probably more in the first half because he, he does, he's not overstayed. It's like that scene we were talking about where he says, you missed one. It's not like he's slamming his fist on the, you missed one. It's it's just that calmness of, yeah, yeah, you did. Th- that's scarier. Yeah. You know, um, so, but yeah, I, I agree. I think the, the other guy that comes into it towards the end, I wasn't overly impressed with. But you speak about it being redone, and I've only thought of this as, as we were talking then. It kind of has been now. I'm pretty sure it wasn't a direct remake. I, well, it wasn't, but uh, The Invisible Man that, that came out, uh, I think was in 2020. That was that's very much a remake of uh, um, Sleeping with the Enemy. Um, it starts off with, I forget the actor's name that plays the character, but it starts off with her plotting how to get out of that relationship, yeah. that house, and she does. She makes a run for it. She gets away. It, it just obviously turns a bit more horror because it's an invisible man. But yeah. it's the, the premise in the film, thinking about it, are actually quite similar. I, I'd recommend that because it's not horror. But I would recommend having to watch that because it has that same understatedness. So even like with the invisible man in it, it's a suit that makes him invisible. It's not like he's actually invisible, but it's technology. But there's it's never like full on, you know, crash bang wallop. It's is he there, isn't he there? Yeah. You know, which is similar to this, the thing with the towels, and I think there were some tins in the cupboard and stuff as yeah. well. It's it's very similar. The scenes in this were like, was that there before? And uh, I don't know why I did the squeaky voice. Was that there before? That's um, my impression of Julia Roberts. Um, but yeah, so I, I I would recommend giving that a watch, Invisible Man, I think it's from 2020. I'm going to watch it again, actually, because there is quite a, a mm. comparison there. Cool. Okay. What's next? Let's talk Pelican Brief. Uh, I can't. I watched the trailer again. So I kind of, I was trying to find a film yesterday and I just sort of, it was over two hours. And I was like, I just, I just can't. And I really want to see it because it's Denzel. Um, so I want to see it because it's got Denzel in it as well. And I can't believe that this was a bad film. So tell me about the Pelican Brief. I know what the premise of it is, basically. It, it was frustrating because it could have been better. It wasn't a bad film. It, it was no fucking everyone says I love you. But it, it could have been better. It's a difficult one to go into too much detail with without sort of going into too many plot spoilers. But basically the, the character accidentally, oh, she kind of comes up with this theory. And and puts it forward, and I think she kind of comes up with the theory. It's part of her um, study at college or university. She's like, "Oh, this would be a fun fun idea. I wonder if this could have been true." And then somehow the FBI or you know whatever secret organization is get their hands on it. It's like that is true. Shit, we need to start taking these people out, and then they start taking these people out. And Julie Roberts essentially goes on the run. Um, yeah, because her that theory that's what the pelican brief is, isn't it? Yeah, um, and then obviously that's where Denzel comes into it, and um, they kind of it, it goes very much espionage, 
uh, and thriller and action and heist. So it gets quite fun and quite exciting, but I, I would have liked more of the almost Nudity. like um, yeah, always. <laughs> Sorry. But, no, you're right. I would have, but I would have liked more Julie Roberts on the piano. Whatever. But I think that I would have liked more of the conspiracy side. So it was almost like she had this thesis and the FBI be like, yeah, that's it. Kill everyone. I would have liked a bit more. Now, I know it's a long film anyway, but they could have taken out a bit in the middle and replaced it. Yeah, put a bit of Mel Gibson in. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. Well, why would you say that? Because of conspiracy theory. No, yeah, but you don't have to raise his name again. Now you made me angry again. <laughs> I'm getting on some mediocre films, and now you're making me annoyed again. <laughs> but, but no, I think I would have preferred a bit more of that, um, almost digging around at the beginning, rather than, oh, here's a thing, ooh, that's right, and then going from there. Um, but the again, Julie Roberts is brilliant in it. She plays... That character, it's very sort of similar character to the one in Sleeping with the Enemy because it's that same kind of fear that they've got. Are they being watched? It's very mm. similar to that. But again, you look compared to, to her other roles. And yeah, brilliant. And Denzel Washington, it's ace in everything, isn't it? It's just yeah. any any film with, a, with Denzel Washington cannot be lower than six out of ten. It's impossible. Uh-huh, I'd agree. Many films with Julia Roberts can. Has he done in a film in the 90s for a Denzel special? Because that would be awesome. I, I will make a note and uh, we'll pull it. it to the poll. <laughs> yeah, uh, next week's. So, uh, yeah, I, I can't. It's, it's, this is one of them films that's awkward to talk about spoiler free. Mm-hmm. Um, so, which, you know, but it is what it is. But yeah, that, that's really all I can kind of say on that, other than it's definitely worth a watch. Um, it's one you need to watch without distraction. Really good acting throughout, I think. There were some really clever moments in it as well. One bit that was frustrating. Uh, I'm going to see if I can do this without spoiling anything. So there is a certain scene in the film where someone turns the engine on in the car and the car goes boom, essentially, oh. up in flames. And they did this really annoying thing later on where the, you've seen someone plant a bomb. So you can see it. It's not like spoiler territory. This. You see them planting the bomb and someone goes to turn the engine and the passenger keeps grabbing their hand to talk to them first. I'm like, you don't need to do that suspense trick. You don't. We know it's there. Just do it once, not four times. You know, so, you know, there were some frustrating moments in, but some clever moments. But as you um, delightfully mentioned, we could put the Denzel Washington thing into a poll. What are these polls and where might people find uh, them? Oh, sorry, I can't be bothered. <laughs> Wow. Okay, so uh, these polls that, that Emma so delightfully spoke about, uh, you will find on our Facebook group, uh, where what we've done now is we've started throwing the choice over to our Facebook group members to choose the next film. So we're kind of doing it two weeks in advance to give us a chance to to watch said films, because it'll be a bit of a crap show. Well, <laughs> a bit of a crap show if we didn't watch the films, but, you know, whatever. Um but um, well, at least if both of us didn't watch the films, or one of us, whatever. But you can find that, and if you want to take part in that, you can find that in our Facebook group. So head over to Decapod at Facebook group and join up there. If 
you want even more Deckbot action, you can also sign up to our Patreon. Um, you can just use the show notes, or you can find us on social, or you can just type in Deckapod when you're on Patreon and sign up there for five quid a month. You get at least two bonus shows a month, and you get your own special, which uh, I now need to talk to you about after the show because Ian's been in touch and we need to arrange it. I forgot to reply to him, which is brilliant. So sorry for forgetting to reply to you, Ian, if you hear this before I reply to you. You got another shout out. The most anyone's ever had. I think what I might do going forward is just reply to all text messages on this show. (laughs) Because I usually forget about them. Um, But yeah, so uh, check out the Patreon. We've got Friends specials over there. We've got Spider-Man specials. Um, we've got an erotic thriller special. We've got Emma's Meat Market. It is very sexual over there. Um, um, and we've got more fun, fun stuff planned, including potentially, I should say potentially, um, a Godfather special, which we spoke about. So that should be fun as well. I've got it in text. I've got it in text from you. You can't say no. Hey. So, oh, okay. I just thought we were watching it. I thought you just told me to make my son watch it. <laughs> I will dig out the text of the screenshot it and send it to you. Either way, um, check out the Facebook group and check All three out- of them. Well, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I've seen all three of them. It's not a big deal to me. I've seen them, so I'm good with it. But just so I know. This might be a discussion worth having after the show. <laughs> So, yeah, if you're still listening, there's even more of this crap on Patreon. <laughs> but anyway, that's where you can find us. That's where you can get even more. Oh, I can't even bring myself to say it. Terry and Emma, goodness. <laughs> right. Okay. So, we've just spoke about what did we just speak about? The Pelican, Pelican Brief. So, do you want to throw one out there? Yeah. Okay. Let's. I'm, I'm just going to do like a throwaway one because I'm guessing this one would have not been popular with at all if you did watch it that's runaway bride no didn't watch it um it was one of my ones for after i'd finished watching the others i'm like no i'm not bringing myself to watch that okay well it surprised me because i didn't really want to watch it but i thought oh it's quite interesting because obviously it brings julia roberts and richard gear back together and i just thought i knew i was going to re-watch Pretty Woman, so I just kind of wanted to sort of pair the two together. It was all right. If um, I would have had it in my rom-coms for the 90s, if I'd have seen it when we did that episode, um, the couple of bits that I particularly liked about it, it has got a very late 90s cast. So it's like got Joan Cusack. <laughs> and um, I always forget this um, other actor's name, but she's basically Sheldon's mum in The Big Bang Theory, or she's Roseanne's sister, um, Jackie. Uh, so she's, like, she's, I don't know, there's just like some of the, like, those faces that you only sort of saw in the 90s so that was that was quite jolly um still hated Richard Gere in it he's ridiculously I thought he was smug in Pretty Woman but he's even smugger in this he's such an unpleasant person I just I don't like his voice he did really mean I can just about bear him in Chicago um, and that's about it um but no couple of things that I kind of noted and I don't really care about spoilers for this because it's it's uh, it's a very average rom-com um there's a there's a couple of there's one or two parallels between that and Pretty Woman, which they must have known about they must have done them on purpose he basically saves her 
um, for for a address. So he basically there's a dress she wants, and the woman tells her it's too expensive. So what does he do? Goes gets it for her, um, and. I did spend a lot of the film as well trying to work out whether she was a narcissist in this. That's just what I do now. I have a lot of stuff in my other projects where I have to talk about narcissism all the time. So it's like now I can only watch stuff and I'm like, is she a narcissist? At very best, she's a chronic people pleaser. Um, so yeah, just was that that was interesting to me, to me as well. Probably not to a bit, probably be like one of those where like, Emma, you're ruining the film. I don't care if she's toxic. It's just a nice film. Um, and it really what the other like note that I made was the problem with rom-coms, and we might have spoken about this. I don't think we spoke about this in the rom-com episode, but we spoke about it in a friends episode. The problem with rom-coms is. The lead characters often have to be ridiculously selfish to get happiness. They often have to trample on people. And this happens in this film. They kind of, um, spoiler alert, fall in love. But then in order for them to sort of be a couple, they kind of have to completely shit all over another person in the film. But but it's fine because they're in love and they're meant to be. And it had that real kind of Ross and Rachel feel to it. Um, So that kind of it. But it had the best the best line of the film. And it did actually make me laugh um, was as a reporter. And because like the premise of the film is she's run away. I think this is like wedding number three and she's always run away from her. From her weddings previously and at the third wedding or the fourth wedding the reporter goes always the bride and never the bridesmaid and I was like that's good because they've, they've flipped it they've flipped that well-known phrase round for her and that did make me laugh um, she's actually just a really good physical comedy in this as well she's goofy Julia in, in this in this one so yeah I didn't think I was gonna like it but um, it was absolutely fine for a watch were obviously the different characters, but were they kind of played differently to to Pretty Woman, or were they just acting the same roles? I would say she she brought a completely different person um, to the to the role. He's just him. Um, I don't think he's capable. I've yet to see him play. I think even in an officer and a gentleman. In, uh, 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 um, and he's a bit smarmy, isn't he, in Chicago? He's a bit not, smug in that. Not seen Chicago, so I, I won't comment on it because I've not seen it. But she's not as reliant on him. She's a very, very independent person. I've just realised the dig that you've just done to me <laughs> there as well. Uh, she's a, she's very, very independent. And she's in her world. He's having to infiltrate into her world a little bit. But he even does that in this thing of, like, he's from New York. So he, like, comes and he kind of sneers at all the, the mid-America small-town people. And I don't like that about him either because I hate that kind of attitude. People live where they live. Let them be because they're all having a lovely time. They don't need Richard Gere sneering at them. So there we go. Runaway Bride. Six out of ten. I want to make a little comment uh, because I think there you said like spoke a little bit about sexism and narcissism and, and so on. Um, I, I'm in a certain Facebook group. I'm not going to mention it, but uh, for for driving instructors, and someone said that they were coming off of social media because um, there was a lot of reasons, and one of them was because of all the sort of sexist slash misogynistic comments, and there was a 
brilliant comment by, you'll be surprised here, a man, uh, which said, I think you'll find sexism and misogynistic is the same thing. And I just thought, is that Dominic Raab? Is, um, and I just thought, yeah, believe, because I think that actually sums up your argument. Yeah, he mansplained. He, he actually mansplained. Yeah. And then mansplaining correctly, massively, which is brilliant. But either way, um, yes, amuse me. Uh, but yeah, no, I'll never watch it. So <laughs> I don't think you miss it much, but it, it's, it might have made you slightly happier than a couple of the others that you watched, but never mind. Okay. All right, so I am now going to talk about Mary Riley. And yes, I did not watch this. I've got no idea about this one either. Right, okay, I'm going to give you a synopsis, right? It's not one the, the yes. long one, right? But it is essentially the story of Jekyll and Hyde from the maid's perspective. Okay. Which on one hand sounds quite intriguing, but on the other sounds stupid, <laughs> right? And what it actually is, trigger warning, what it actually is, a story of Jekyll and Hyde trying to rape the maid. Oh God! And that's that. That to be honest, that's about it. Now, weirdly, I'm not a hundred percent sure how I feel about this film because I think this was actually the last film I watched of the collection because I watched um, the Everyone Says I Love You, whatever it's called, and I'm just like despaired. I've been quite looking forward to this because I thought it looks a bit different. Mm-hmm. So I kind of went into this, and I'm like, oh. No, and I think I need to re-watch it to give a proper honest appraisal because I've just about given up when I watched this. This it's interesting. It is a different take on the Jekyll and Hyde thing because it's it is and this actually annoyed me, it's 95% from the maid's Mary Riley's perspective. The reason that annoys me is because it should be 100 percent from her perspective. It doesn't need to be 95%, 100 would make it better. But it, that does put a bit of intrigue on it, but it's like, stop making films where you're the man just trying to rape the woman. We don't need it. That, that's not necessary. You know, and th- there's a there's a scene where you run, she's got a scar and he randomly licks a scar on her hand, like, but really, really creepily. And he says something, I didn't write it down, but he says something really weird as well. I'm like, no, run, just now, start running. Don't stop. When you're tired and you can't run anymore, run a bit further because he's just weird. And then they have flashbacks to when she was a little girl showing how she was abused, which is uncomfortable, but actually played quite well. But then it does the thing which I really, really hate. And I'm sorry, I'm going to throw the word in trigger on us again because I'm talking about sort of sexual abuse almost. But they throw that thing in where they imply someone's about to be sexually abused because it's like a child is about to be sexually abused because they show the bit where the kid is physically abused albeit from a distance so you're not seeing anything graphic but then they just do this really creepy shot where you, you can picture it where the, the dirty old man has got the look on his face i'm going to teach you a lesson sort of thing and then end the shot so you know exactly what they're implying. Like you don't need to do that. That's not relevant. It's not important. It's not significant. You're doing that for a reason, and it's not a nice one. Mm. Um, 
so I think there were a lot of bits of it that took me out of it. I, I, again, I'm treading spoilers here a little bit, but I, I don't want to go too much into the ending. I did quite, I was intrigued by the ending and how they found out certain things. It was quite clever in places. But no, it was just, it was a frustrating film because it could have been a lot better, but I did actually kind of enjoy it. It was better than all the other tribe I've mentioned so far. And again, Julia Roberts is superb. It's a very different character. So it's, it's still that kind of meek character that's in the first half of Sleeping With The Enemy and, and one of the others you mentioned, Pelican Brief. But but meek because she's, I say maid, I mean, let's say, right, she's a servant. That's that's what they were in that century or whatever, Dickens sort of time. Um, and they're all servants. And yeah, she plays that character really well. It's got dream sequences in, which I'm always off put by. But they actually do the dream sequences quite well, I feel. And there's that coldness with the characters, which is, you know, come on, get on with it. You know, who cares if you've had the crap kicked out of you? You know, have a brew, be right. You know, it's that, which is, again, it's, I wasn't around at those times, but you get the feeling that's what it was like at those times. So it was interesting. But again, I just think it could have been done better, a lot better. And again, another film I'm frustrated by but I, I, th- I think I need to watch it again because I I was genuinely pissed off by the time I got to uh, this film yeah so I think I need to re-watch it again that could have impacted me either way I could have just been glad I wasn't watching everyone says I love you anymore or I could have just been that annoyed I've downgraded it so I need to go back and rewatch. okay cool all right my best friend's wedding the film or <laughs> yeah no, not seen it. Um, okay, uh, so I'll do two together. What about Michael Collins? Nope. Right, so I'll do these two together because they're both the, it's the least amount I've got to say. So Michael Collins is all about the troubles in Ireland and it is Michael Collins. Liam Neeson plays Michael Collins. She's almost like a side, like she's very much supporting Cassie. It's Liam Neeson's film, Michael Collins. I remember watching it many, many years ago. I think it was quite accurate in its telling of it. And I guess if you're interested in that side of the IRA, check it out. Um, But I definitely um, didn't want to rewatch it for this. Um, So that's Michael Collins. Uh, Right, My Best Friend's Wedding. Um, Again, I watched this when it came out. I think this, for me, is her least likable character. And again, it's that premise of, like, what she wants to do is really nasty. It's just basically this thing of she's been best friends with this guy from school and they've always sort of been, I think they've always been platonic. They potentially dated a little bit or something, but then they've been platonic for the majority of this friendship. He gets engaged and then she decides she she's completely in love with him and he shouldn't marry the, the girl he wants to marry. Um, and then she brings in Rupert Everett to sort of come along and they basically just try and find ways to break up the engagement and stop the wedding going ahead and I really dislike it it's it's such a mean premise to go forwards in and I'm this is like the most conflicted I am because I absolutely I never thought I'd 
be on the side of anybody else to Julia Roberts. But Cameron Diaz is she's she's just so sweet in this film. And I really feel for her. It's that it is really intimidating to meet somebody, but if they've got to meet any sort of friends, but if they've got a best friend that's a girl, that's really, really intimidating. I really feel for her. And she just is like, she's just really nice as well. And I think he'd kind of make it work if she was an absolute bitch to him. You'd go, yeah, no open goal but she's not she's sweet and I actually can't for the life of remember what way it goes I can't remember who he marries in the end whether it's Julia or whether it's um Cameron in the end um but yeah it's it's a very stereotypical rom-com but yeah like I said she's not a very nice character uh, well, well, there you go. Back to you then. It, it sounds like one I'd have been annoyed with if I watched at this point. Yeah, I don't think you'd have liked it at all. Um, all right, so let's talk about Flatliners. Yeah, again, I it was in one. I when I originally like looked at the list, there was the three that I didn't watch, which was Conspiracy Theory, Pelican Brief, and Flatliners was the third. And again, I think I was in a weird frame of mind, and I watched the trailer. And the trailer made me feel uneasy. Uh, so I was like, I don't want to watch this. So again, I know the premise of the film, but the mere premise of the film, I go, I don't like it. I don't like what they're trying to do. So happy for you to talk about it. Uh, and yeah, we could still, I've got like one mildly interesting fact for the end. I, I want another mildly interesting fact first. But I won't have anything to say at all. Okay, I'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> I had never seen this film before and I've got a list of films that I've never seen that I should have seen or I want to see and, and a lot of them have been found through doing Decapod going through all the stuff and hearing your recommendations and finding other stuff that I've never seen and uh, one of the great things about doing these sort of episodes is making me going back and catch up on this stuff and this is one of the films where I've, I'm, I'm really really pleased that, that I went back and watched Really enjoyed this. Really, my type of film. It seems to get a lot of mixed reviews, but but yeah. So the, the, I suppose the premise it kind of kicks off with this quite early, so it's not a spoiler. But the, the premise is that they are inducing death into someone, stopping the heart, waiting a certain amount of time, and then restarting, and that's in, in invoking certain memories and and hallucinations or other hallucinations and all this kind of stuff going forward. So I can't go too much spoilerific than that. But I thought, I mean, what an amazing cast. you got Kiefer Sutherland, Julia Roberts, uh, Kevin Bacon, and we should definitely have a look at the Kevin Bacon special. But, um, but yeah, so and this is the thing, coming out of the film for a second, one of the frustrating things is this is massively portrayed as Kiefer Sutherland's film. And it's not. It's the, it's the ensemble, you know, it's the whole cast. They're all brilliant. But I mean, you look at the cover for the film, it's Kevin Bacon surrounded by little pictures of everyone. Not Kevin Bacon, sorry, Kiefer Sutherland joined by a little picture. Like, you don't put Julia Roberts and Kevin Bacon in the background like that. that actually <laughs> hurts me a little bit. But I think everyone plays it well. I would say that of all the films I've seen, this is probably the worst, I don't know, maybe this is not harsh, but the, the least I've enjoyed Julia Roberts in a film because I don't think she puts a lot of personality into it, and that could just be the way that she's been instructed to play it or, or whatever. It's, that's her character, but it's like it wasn't prominently. It felt just it felt a bit samey. Maybe, uh, maybe she was just flatlining her words. 
Yeah. <laughs> Not to edit. <laughs> edit that out. Gold. I'm going to put that as uh, as the uh, the advertisement clip. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, but no, I really enjoyed it. It had a, a really cool kind of uh, vibe and feeling throughout the film. It felt kind of, even, even though it's set, what was this, 91? I'm going to come back to that date in a second, actually. Uh, even though it's set back in 90, 1990, um, just checking, yeah, 1990, it felt modern. It didn't feel out of out of place. Um, although I suppose some of the music did. It was very much sort of nineties, early nineties dance, sort of almost grungy feel to it. It felt like a really cool film, and I just sat back and I really enjoyed it. And it's another frustrating one where I'm struggling to say too much without going too much spoilers. But really good performances, really good concept to the film. And I just I found the the battle between people. They were all kind of daring each other. Who can Go. Who can basically stop the heart beating the longest and say, "I like it." And I'm thinking, there's a lot of trust involved there. Who would I trust to stop my heart and restart? No, <laughs> no, because I can just see you rubbing your hands together, like, hmm, "What episodes could I record?" Hmm, um, all the meat. <laughs> I never think it would be that I'd forget how it worked I wouldn't write you like, tell me the instructions of how to use the machine and I wouldn't write it down shit I forgot to set my timer how long has it been Tuesday three days yeah. <laughs> um, but no I don't, I don't think I think in a weird way I, I'm probably willing to do it but I wouldn't trust anyone to bring me back I think if somehow I could be there and bring myself back <laughs> but I wouldn't trust anyone's doing it. But yeah, very odd film, and I'm 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 glad I've gone back and watched it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, good. I will go next to Stepmum. Not seen it. Ah, uh, so my note to sort of say I've watched this because <laughs> it was the first one I watched as part of my research. Wasn't enough to sort of go oh. I'll watch my dear. I guess you watched Pelican Brief and I didn't, so there we go. It, uh, right, it was on my list. I think it was the one I was supposed to watch on Friday, and I'm just like, no, I'm done. And uh, I went and watched Spider Man instead. <laughs> well, actually, I will say this I think if you were already in a bad mood, Stepman would have probably, I don't think we'd have recorded. <laughs> <laughs> it pushed me over <laughs> the edge. Really like, fuck this episode. Uh, right, absolutely brilliant film absolutely brilliant and it was really weird for me watching it now versus if I'd have watched it when it had come out so if I'd have watched it when it came out the premise is Julia Roberts is the stepmom she's a younger new wife of um Robocop actually Robocop is the is the dad uh, in this and uh, then Susan Sarandon plays the original wife and um and it's about that, really. It is about what happens when mum and dad get divorced and dad didn't get much of a reaction for saying it was Robocop. I thought that would have excited you that uh, it was Robocop. Was it actual Robocop? Well, it's the guy that played him. Yeah, well, if it was actual Robocop, I'd be like, let's pause this episode and we'll return <laughs> in 90 minutes and we'll reconvene. Robo mom. <laughs> sounds like a good film. 
I bet it exists. Uh, but yeah, and it's just about that dynamic and it's about how kids react. And then, so I was completely down the middle split with this. So if I'd have watched this when it came out, there was, I wouldn't have given a shit about Susan Sarandon. I'd have been like, who cares? Why is everybody being shitty to my girl, Julia? Stop it. She's just trying her best. But I could see it from both sides because the kids, the kids are really shitty to her. So she doesn't get this instant open arms like, oh, wow, it's a it's a cool young girl. So they are 100 percent aligned to their mother, which now I'm like, absolutely. Um, but she's again, she plays. She does play it really well and she makes the character. You don't hate her character. She isn't like some bitch that's come in and broken up a marriage. It's it's done a lot more subtly than that. And like, it's just really clever the way they do it. Um, and again, I think this would be in the description of the film. So I don't think this is a spoiler, but just in case potential spoiler coming up. So you kind of spend the first 40 minutes or so of the film kind of looking at this dynamic. And I'd say Julia almost comes out on top because she does an absolute solid for the mum. And then the mum like proper stabs her in the back a little bit, not much long after that and doesn't sort of return the favour. And you're like, you dick. And you want to really hate her. But then they just, then they just, pull out um a kind of terminal illness <laughs> out the bag and it and it completely then resets like the relationships and like how that film works and then the latter half of the film obviously focuses focuses very differently on the dynamics between how they then sort of make that work um it's really good. It's just, I can't just, I know that just, I think I've probably said that about eight times as I've been describing it, but I just thought it was really clever and it's about relationships, nothing more. It's about relationships and dynamics and control over that specific family situation. And I would really recommend it to anybody. However, do not watch it if you're already feeling a bit low <laughs> because my goodness me, I did cry and cry and cry and cry um, nearly as much as I cried when I watched the Fisher King for Robin Williams. So just be just be warned. Did you cry as much as when I watched Hook? <laughs> no, I don't think that's possible. <laughs> no one cried as much as when I watched Hook. Um, speaking of Hook, uh-huh. um, right, so uh, the sixth film I'm going to speak about, uh, sorry, the next one I'm going to speak about is Hook. And it's really the last one I'm going to speak about because the only other film that I've seen was Notting Hill. Um, so I will hand that one over to you to, to, to speak about. But I just find it quite interesting that I'm just looking at the first six, and I'm going to refer to this in a certain way, significant roles that Julia Roberts had in, in the 90s and the difference in the films. So 1990, the first was Pretty Woman. Also in 1990 was then Flatliners. Then in 1991, she moved on to Sleeping with the Enemy. So you've gone from Pretty Woman to Flatliners, sleeping, three very different films. Then she made quite a significant appearance in Big Bird's Birthday, right. which amuses me greatly, the <laughs> fact that that's in Letterboxd's list of Julie Roberts films. <laughs> then we go on to Dying Young, which I've never seen. And then we go on to Hook. And I just find that, all right, take Big Bird's, Big Bird's Birthday habit, but those first five films, you've gone Pretty Woman, Flatliners, Sleeping with the Enemy, Dying Young, which admittedly I haven't seen, and then Hook. I think you couldn't get, more a more eclectic bunch of films yeah. and again caveat i've not seen Daniel, but she's phenomenal in all of them 
Um, although admitting I did say Sleeping Young, uh, sorry, uh, Flatliners was the one I enjoyed the least in, but her performance in it, for what she was supposed to be doing, was great. And I just think, you know, she is that talented, and she's she's pegged into this this whole of romance or or whatever America's sweetheart in the nineties, but she's a lot more than that. I think that's probably what she slots into best. But she can do a bit of everything, and I, I think that, that probably sums up. But I'm not going to talk too much about Hook, because if you enjoy Hook, uh, you can go back and check out the episode, in particular on Robin Williams, because I spoke about it a lot there. But what I am going to say, because I did say this um, during the Robin Williams episode. I'm saying Robin Williams, isn't it? Not Robbie. I'm right. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, both. <laughs> well, there you go. I don't think I spoke about it on the, the, the Robbie <laughs> one, though. Not so much. Probably did. There's a chance. The, the thing I said, and I stand by this, is I still think that Julia Roberts t- slash Tinkerbell is the glue in that film. I think if you take her out of that film, that film drops down significantly. Obviously, you kind of need Peter Pan in it. <laughs> That's kind of a... <laughs> you kind of a need, a book, need kind yeah. of Captain Hook in it, the name of the film. Yeah, especially, you know, I mean, imagine we didn't have a hook, it'd be a really weird name for a film. But... <laughs> So, yeah, they are key, but I think that she's sort of subtly, she's the best thing in the film, really weirdly. Every scene that she's in, she just about steals one way or another, and she's playing this character that, you know, physically is insignificant. You know, you don't see her on the screen. She's a tiny little dot, but you can hear her, and the way, when they obviously they, they close in on her, she does it brilliantly. And I just think that without... Her, and I don't necessarily just mean Tinkerbell. I mean, without Julie Roberts playing Tinkerbell, I don't think that film would have been anywhere near as good. Now, again, like you said, you can say this in particular uh, for uh, Robin Williams playing Peter Pan, but I think you probably could have interchanged any of those actors around. I can say you disagree. And I don't think it would have been as good, but I don't think anything would have had as big an impact as taking Julie Roberts out of that role. Nah. Who's it? Who else is going to play Hook as well as Justin Hoffman? I don't know. That's what I mean. It's not that. Again, I'm probably not phrased it great. But if you were to say Justin Hoffman was a ten out of ten as Hook, you could replace him with someone that would do a seven or an eight. But I think you take Julia Roberts out. I don't think you're getting anyone that does it that well. I think it's it's just lower. I can't. I just think she absolutely nails it. I think it's one of the the best acting performances I've seen from her. I think that the film itself. You heard me gush about it several times throughout. Uh, Decapod and on an upcoming film I might have to gush about it again an upcoming episode but it's genuinely one of the most underrated films of all time and not just because of Julie Roberts as as much as I've just said that piece but everyone's brilliant even the kids do awesome in it and yeah I I think I'll leave it there because we've spoke about it a lot already but I just think that she's massively underrated in this film and I just think it for me those five that I mentioned, uh, those four in particular, Pretty Woman, Flatliner, Sleeping with the Enemy, and then Hook, just epitomise what Julia Roberts is capable of. Yeah. I mean, I like it. I like her in it as well. I just think it's... um, I think it's the ensemble rather than... I do think she's really good in it and I do like the moments in it. Like the thing that I always remember about her bit is when she goes, she goes stomping up his shirt and she leaves her footprints on his shirt. And that's special effects, that's not even Julie Rob, but there is a way that she does it. And it must be a different way you've kind of got to act remembering when she's small because sometimes she, 
well, most of the film she's small, I guess, but yeah. When she's small, she acts like I do on, when I'm recording Decapon. Yeah, Everything's yeah. flinging all over the place. Then when she gets bigger for a little bit, it's more subtle. What's just blown my mind a little bit is how she was really, really famous when she was in Hook. And I remember it made perfect, because you think about, like you sort of said, that cast. So Robin Williams, Dustin Hoffman's, even sort of Bob Hoskins, because he made a lot of films sort of late 80s into the early 90s. So he's Phil like... <laughs> Phil Collins. Julie Roberts. It wasn't like you looked at that and went, who? But I, but you've just sort of said the list of films. It isn't that many. But they obviously really put her on, like, I think Pretty Woman in particular must have really put her on the map. But also, that is only the 90s. If we were to look at the 80s. Ah, uh, yes, you've got Steel Magnolias. Actually, I'm just looking at the other films. I don't recognise any of the other films she was in other than Steel Magnolias. So it probably kicked off with that. Oh, Mystic, yeah. Mystic Pizza. Someone commented about Mystic Pizza the other day on, on his... so that's in there so yeah um there was a little bit before that but yeah yeah it just blew my mind a bit because i kind of thought oh there must have been even more films that she'd done but to get that billing i think to already be up there with robin williams and dustin hoffman in particular but yeah and the holding her own but maybe that was maybe someone took a chance on on her in that and it was that that kept propelling her after that i don't know I think it's Pretty Woman. I, I can yeah. remember even being, what, eight at the time and, and probably not long after it being spoke about. I can remember my mum watching that film. I can remember women talking to my mum about that film. And I can't remember that about any other film with my mum. And I, I, I think it was a big thing at the time. And, and obviously that then put her on to the main stage above everything else, I think. Sleeping with the Enemy was then the Julie Roberts film. That was her film, yeah. you know, after that. And then obviously she's then, like you said, she stamped her off for her. She's shown, this is me. I uh, and I think throughout the 90s, she was the highest paid female actor in Hollywood uh, for like nine of the 10 years or something like that. And that must have kicked off from Pretty Woman. I think it's later, but it's true. It is true. I think I'm sure she got something like 15 million for a role. So she broke records. Whatever the role was, she broke records with that. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So yeah, nothing more to add to it. So we ended on Notting Hill. Yep, I will hand the stage over to you and you can uh gush emphatically about Notting Hill. Yeah, so I think like revisiting it for like previous episodes. It's probably not as dear to my heart as it certainly used to. Maybe you've just sort of <laughs> slowly chipped away at it. <laughs> it's like, it's going different. Go down in my list and go up in yours. Um, right, so Notting Hill is Richard Curtis' film. And the premise of it is that a normal, I'm going to put normal in adverted commas because he's a very rich, normal person anyway, because he like owns a bookshop in Notting Hill. So yes, he is um, of of normality, but not not sort of at my level anyway. Uh, bumps into a person who he then discovers is based, you might as well just say, she might as well be Julia Roberts. There's a reason Julia is cast as Anna Scott, the actress, 
because it's supposed to be that parallel. And that must have been at this point where she was the most paid um, Hollywood actress because that's what Anna Scott is as well. So she's kind of like everywhere. And that's the premise. It's this kind of thing of can you make it work if you're an ordinary ordinary Joe meets an, a Hollywood actress and how does that then work? It's very Richard Curtis. Um, it's very, you know, it, it it's just very typical of him. It feels like the perfect sort of midway point between Four Weddings and a Funeral and then Love Actually. Notting Kill does feel like it sits nicely in the middle of that. I like it, but again, I really love her in it and I really liked her portrayal in it and I liked the sort of messages about Hollywood and she's very down to earth, this kind of, this character, she goes and has dinner with his friends and stuff like that, but it's not a big deal to her. She's not, I don't know, she's not a diva or anything like that. She's very likeable, but I also really like Hugh Grant. I think Hugh Grant plays likeable really well. Yeah, and I can't say much more about it. It's a Richard Curtis rom-com, but I think it's got a lot of heart. I genuinely do think it's funny. I love Risa Farns in it, and I like Emma Chambers in it as well. Um, and the I'll comment what I commented before. You look at it now, and the cast is an absolute whitewash, which is really, which makes me uncomfortable now. Um, but I think it's like 99. Yeah, 99 actually feels late for it to be that whiter cast that'd be my only other point on it and i just wonder because you said you've maybe gone off it slightly and you feel like i'm chipping away at you i wonder if it's not necessarily that is the case it's more that initially when we first spoke about it, i said i don't like it very much so that immediately made you like it more <laughs> maybe maybe i don't know um i still think it's a charming love story it's it's a charming little story and I um I don't know. I, I guess I watched it when I was a teenager and it's it, sometimes stuff you watch as a teenager sticks with you. Okay, cool. Well, here's the films we haven't spoke about then. Um Dying Young, The Player, I Love Trouble, Pret a Porter. I don't know if that's meant to be Pret a Porter. Um, so I that was on my list to watch and it that was quite an interesting one uh, I watched the trailer for that and I really wanted to watch it I thought I'll just check what score it's got on Rotten Tomatoes and it had something like 26% so I was just like I just can't be bothered to watch a shit film but I really like the look of it um, yeah I just like the cover of it because she's not wearing much mm-hmm. uh, and then something to talk about which was the only other film. So, yeah, they're the ones we <laughs> haven't to talk about, about and we have we nothing to talk about. <laughs> You're on fire tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, so what's interesting there, what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen films in the 90s. I think I, I don't reckon there's many people done more films than that in the 90s. No, probably not, because, like, how? Because it's, like, just the time it takes to make a film. Well, I would hazard a guess, now, again, I haven't seen all these films, but films like Notting Hill, Runaway Bride, Stepmom, even Sleeping with the Enemy and Pelican Brief, they're not stuff that require much in the way of special effects. Yeah, true. You kind of go in there, you do your acting, and you're done. I can imagine those parts being done quite a bit quicker, whereas... Mm. 
you know, you look at films now, they, they take years to make because yeah. of all the additional stuff that goes in. So that would be my guess. But what are your thoughts then looking back now on, on I know we kind of touched on this at the beginning, but now we've had a discussion, uh, your thoughts on Julia Roberts in the 90s? I'm going to probably steal something that you're about, to, you, you kind of hinted at this earlier. Just amazing range. Like, and that was like some of the stuff that I hadn't seen, like Sleeping with the Enemy and stuff like that, and Stepmom as well. Um, she's just got amazing range. I think she's generally likable, no matter what character she plays, you generally really like her. Um, and yeah, even when she's been in mediocre or shitty films, it generally still is that she's another one of those. She's still good, but maybe the people around her or the script isn't so good, but she is still good. So I'm really pleased that we did an episode for her. Yeah. I mean, I'm... (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, I'm pleased we did it because it's an interesting retrospective and it's brilliant seeing how awesome Julie Roberts is. It's just frustrating seeing some of the the absolute tripe she was in. and But again, I, I don't think I can add anything to that other than, like you said, about the range thing. Can't add anything to that. I mean, I've just skipped forward a second to 2000 and looking at some of those films, and it carries on similarly. You can see it seems to die down a little bit, actually. You've got stuff like Erin Brockovich and the Mexican Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, Mona Lisa Smile, Closer, Ocean's 12 she was in. You know, so there's a lot of she. She kind of seems to go on the same sort of vein of her films going forward. But um, yeah, I, I don't. She's one of those actors that I don't think we're necessarily going to see many better. We're not going to see many better actors than Julia Roberts at what she does in particular. But there we go. Um, but very disappointing. I had to sit through some of those films. So I am going to say that the the film I would recommend, and I'm in two minds here, I would be tempted to tell people to go and check out Mary Riley, just because I think it's very, very different. I would also be tempted to tell people to go and check out Flatliners, because it's a a, a really funky film, really cool film. But I can't talk about a film and then not say go and see Hook. So I would recommend (laughs) if you haven't, or if you haven't watched for a while, go and watch Hook again. Brilliant film. What was the musical? What, the one to avoid? Yeah. Everyone says, I love you. Are you frantically scribbling down notes when I ask you to uh, wrap up the show? Is that what we're doing right now? No. (laughs) No, okay. Uh, So what film would you recommend that people uh, go and check out based on what you have seen of our Julia? I think I would say go watch Sleeping with the Enemy because it's just really good. Just that it, I just think it built the tension really well. Um, so yeah, sleeping with the enemy for me. Okay, uh, and I will hand over to you <laughs> to, uh, with your extensive notes, wrap up the show. <laughs> okay, that was the week that was Julia Roberts, um, where the nineties pretty much kicked off um, as it ended for her because she started as a pretty woman and obviously she continues to be a pretty woman. Um, but then she um, took a bit of a right turn and with flatliners, um, dicing with death, um, and we certainly 
Terry certainly didn't say that he loved Everybody Says I Love You, um, but we both rather liked Sleeping with the Enemy. Um, I had a nice cry uh, at Stepmum and was pleasantly surprised by Runaway Bride. Notting Hill has gone down in my estimation, gone up. I don't think it's gone up in Terry's estimation, but certainly gone up is this. But then also be sure to check out The Pelican Brief if you like a thriller. Mary Riley, because apparently it's quite interesting, but nobody upon nobody should watch Conspiracy Theory because we don't like Mel Gibson. That was the week that was Julia Roberts. I've only ever handled one dick, but I've handled the <laughs> dick quite a lot. So it depends what kind of level of experience you're talking. Whereas I've handled multiple dicks, but for shorter uh, lengths of time. <laughs>